Good afternoon, People's Church. My name is Shelby Johnson. I'm the care director here at People's Church. And let me say this before we get started. I, I just hope that everyone has enjoyed their Christmas season. And, and I pray that we remember that, that Christ is the reason that we celebrate this Christmas season. Amen? Amen. Now, you may be asking yourself the question, Shelby, what exactly is a care director and what does a care director do? Well, I uh, oversee the hospital visitation team. I oversee our cuisine team. They're the ones who provide you with those delicious meals when you're sick. I also oversee the premarital mentors. They are the the one that help couples prepare for marriage. I oversee our prayer team. Uh, I perform most of the weddings here at People's Church, and uh, I'm with you during your time of bereavement. And I really do love what God has called me to do. And uh, I am so honored to be able to provide care for you guys. So thank you so much for allowing me to do that. And uh, another thing... Another thing that uh, I'm really passionate, passionate about uh, and that I love to do, I just have to be honest with you this morning. Uh, another thing that I love, I love to eat. For real. I love to eat. You know, I didn't get this great shape by accident. I didn't. I, I enjoy, I enjoy a good meal. You know, especially this time of year, you know, you got your turkeys, your dressing, and, 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 and hams, and mashed potatoes, and gravy, and hot buttered biscuits, and dinner rolls, and cakes, and pies, and you ready to go home yet? <laughs> but I enjoy, I really do enjoy a, a good meal. And uh, I just thank God for my wife, because she loves to cook. I love to eat. Hallelujah. That's a match made in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for a wife who can cook. Now, if you got a wife that can cook, you, you ought to be thankful, okay? Amen. I mean, my wife, she's the reason that, that I have this great shape of mine. Because when we first met, I think I weighed like 160 pounds, 6'2", something like that. I was just a thin guy. But, but she loved to cook. I loved to eat. And I tell you what, she said that, uh, Shelby, when we first met, you were just so skinny. She said, you were so skinny that, that you could actually hula hoop with a Cheerio. <laughs> well, we don't hula hoop anymore with Cheerios. We, we eat the Cheerios. So, so my wife is, is the reason for this shape here. And my favorite food this time of year to eat is dressing. And, and my wife makes the best cornbread dressing. Now, 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 in the beginning of our relationship, I had to help her out just a little bit as she prepared that dressing. Because I can remember the first time I, I, I ate some of her dressing, I just remember thinking that something is missing. Now, now don't get me wrong, because my niece is here, she'll tell on me, but, but, but something was missing. It was good. And I just couldn't quite put my finger on it at the time. I just knew that something was missing. Now, we were both young at the time, and she was used to preparing dressing the way she was made. And, and again, it was good. Just something was missing. So what I did, I remember taking her to my mom's house. And I let her hang out with my mom as she, 
as my mom prepared her dressing. And while she was there with my mom, my wife found the missing ingredient. You know what it was? Sage. Sage. (laughs) I did not know sage made such a huge difference in your dressing. But it do. And and after that, I was just so thankful that my wife found that missing ingredient because our Christmas dinners was awesome once again. All because my wife found that missing ingredient. You know, sometimes in our relationship with Christ, guys, sometimes, every now and then, it just seems like something is missing. I mean, you you can actually have a good relationship with with Christ, but you just sense that there's something that's missing. I I mean, you're praying, you're you're reading your Bible, you're you're going to church, you're you're involved in ministry, but yet you just sense that there's something that's missing. Sometimes it seems like there's no power in your life. I mean, you got your friends and they're telling you all these great stories about what God is doing in their life. And you're thinking, okay, God, where's my story? Where where is my testimony, God? God, something, something is missing. So today as we begin our new series, Hungry, I want to talk to you about the missing ingredient. The missing ingredient. So let's turn our Bibles to the sixth chapter of Matthew. Now, in this chapter, you got Jesus, and he's teaching his disciples how to live a practical Christian life. And and he provides for us a pattern which addresses three specific duties of a Christian. So let's look at Matthew 6 and 2. And let's look at our first specific duty, which Jesus gives us. And we just want to read the first seven words, okay? It says this, so when you give to the needy. Here, Jesus is is suggesting to us that we need to give to those in need. Now, Christians are the most giving people that I know. Most Christians are, especially this time of the year. You know, it was through our giving this year that, that People's Church was able to provide thousands of dollars to those in need. Amen? I mean, most people, most Christians are, are given people. Now let's look at our second specific duty that Jesus gives us in Matthew 6 and 5, and we just want to read the first four words here. It says this, and when you pray, Now, I'm sure that most Christ followers pray. I mean, we pray for our families. We we pray for our our daily needs. And you know what, guys? We probably pray a little bit more than we think. You know, because every now and then I I may say something or I I may do something and it just really, really gets my wife's attention, if you know what I mean. I mean, I really can get her attention. And she'll say something like, hmm. And, And for a long time, I didn't know what hmm meant. <laughs> what is all of that? And then finally, one day, I, I figured it out. I figured out what hmm meant. Every time my wife said hmm, she was actually praying for me. 
Yeah, she was actually translated because translated hmm, means, Lord, you better get him. You better get him. That's your child. If you don't get him, I will. So most Christians pray. We probably pray a little bit more than we think. Now let's look at our third specific duty that Jesus gives us in Matthew 6 and 16. We're just going to read the first three words, and it says this, when you fast. Everybody look at the person next to them and and just say to them, and when you fast. Go ahead and say that. He can point the finger if you know him well, just when you fast. Again, most Christians give to those in need. Most Christians do that. Most Christians pray. But do most Christians fast? Do most Christians fast? Think about that. You know, uh, I have to be honest with you. There was a time when I, 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 I didn't fast. I didn't do it on a daily basis. I didn't do it on, on a weekly basis. I didn't do it on a monthly basis. And I didn't do it on a yearly basis. But what we have to remember here, that, that Jesus is teaching us how to live our Christian lives. And Jesus makes it clear that fasting, like giving and praying, is a part of a normal relationship with God. He makes it clear, guys. You know, just as much attention should be given to fasting as we give to praying and giving to those in need. The question is this, guys. Could fasting be the missing ingredient in your relationship with God? Could fasting be that that missing ingredient? You know, because we failed to fast, could could that be the reason that, that we are powerless in certain areas of our lives? Because we fail to fast, could, could that be the reason that, that we are not seeing the, the victories that we should? Because we fail to fast, could, could that be the reason that, that some of our prayers are not being answered? Could fasting be the missing ingredient? You know, Solomon, one of the wisest men, ever live, he made a point that, that a cord or, or a rope that's braided with three strands is not so easily broken. Likewise, when giving and, and praying and, and fasting is practiced in, in the life of a believer, it creates a type of a threefold cord that is not easily broken. You see, there's power when these things are, are working in the life of a believer. And Jesus said this. Jesus said this. He said, some things come by fasting and prayer. That's what Jesus said. So what I want to do now, I want to answer the question that may be on on someone's mind. I want to answer this question here. What is biblical fasting? What is biblical fasting? Before I answer that, let me tell you what biblical fasting is not. Biblical fasting is not just going without food for a period of time, okay? Biblical fasting is not just going without food for for a period of time because when I go without food for a period of time, do you know what I call that? Being hungry. 
I am so hungry when I go without food for, for a period of time. So it's more to it. And fasting is not just done by some super spiritual person. And the practice of fasting is not limited to, to ministers or to some special occasion. Simply put, fasting is this. Fasting is reframing from food for a spiritual purpose. Fasting. It's reframing from food for, for a, a spiritual purpose. I tell you, the, 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 the reason why we fast. Now, I do realize for some medical reason that, that some people cannot go without food. So what I would suggest to you is that, that you would just abstain from something that really, really means something to you. You know, because food really, really means something to me. Matter of fact, this old flesh, it really craves it. It desires it. You know what? I cannot live without food. So when you're fasting something, it really needs to mean something to you. You know, the word says this, if we draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to us. And so when we are praying and and when we are fasting, we are abstaining from that thing, we're drawing closer to God. And it draws God into our situation. Fasting. It always been a part of a normal relationship with God. So so if you're going to fast, fast something that means something to you. Because here's the deal. If it doesn't mean anything to you, then it just may not, it may not mean anything to God. But if it means something to you, I can tell you it'll mean something to God. Yeah, fasting. It's always been a part of a normal relationship with God. The Jews fasted on the Day of Atonement. The the disciples of John, the Bible said that they oftentimes fasted. In the book of Acts, if you look there, when, when they chose elders for the church, the, the, the church fasted and prayed. And Jesus, he's our example, correct? He's our example. The Bible said that Jesus fasted for 40 days in the desert. Could fasting be the missing ingredient? I mean, fasting, guys, is just what we do. It's like praying. It's like giving to those in need. Fasting is just what we do. It's part of a normal relationship with God. You know, in Matthew 5 and 6, it says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Guys, there are things in our life that, that we should desire more than food. There are things of God that, that we need to desire more than food. There, there are spiritual things that, that you and I need to desire more than food. Listen to the words of David in Psalms 42 and 1. David says this. He says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Now listen to what David says here. He says, my tears, my tears has been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, 
where is your God? You see, guys, David's desire was not for food. Matter of fact, David said his tears had been his food. You see, David just wanted a more intimate relationship with God. David wanted to be in the presence of God. David wanted to experience the power of God. David knew this. David knew that some things come by fasting and prayer. And just maybe, just maybe to experience the victories in our life, you know what, guys, we just may have to fast. To experience the presence of of God in our lives, just maybe, guys, just maybe we may have to fast. To, To hear the voice of God as you get ready to make that decision, just maybe, just maybe we may have to fast. Could fasting be the missing ingredient? And do you know what the biggest hindrance to your fast will be? I want to introduce them to you right now. So I want everybody to take their hands and place them here. Yes, okay, place them there. Now look down. I want to introduce you to King Stomach. You may have heard him rumble a time or two in disagreement to this sermon. Because King Stomach don't want to have anything to do with this fast. I'll tell you, when, when I went on my fast, that was the hardest thing for me to do was to abstain from food. I like to eat. King stomach. So the second thing I need you to know about fasting is this. You must dethrone king stomach. All right, you must dethrone king stomach. Have you ever heard of the term the bottomless pit? Have you ever heard that term? Well, I think I found it. I think I found the geographical location of the bottomless pit. And it's right here inside of people. Yeah, because we love to eat. You know what? And most Christians enjoy a good meal too. Right? I mean, there's nothing like a good Bible study or a good community group and a piece of chicken with a little Louisiana hot sauce on it. No Tabasco. We don't do Tabasco. It's got to be Louisiana hot sauce. There's nothing like it. But, but here's the thing, guys. Here, here's the thing. What we need to do for just a moment, we need to consider what has happened to the human race while under the rule of King Stomach. We need to consider what has happened. And to do that, let's go to Genesis 2, 8 through 9. Let's take a look at Adam and Eve. It says this, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden was a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, here's the thing, guys. God knew that that his people would enjoy food. He knew that they would enjoy a good meal. So what did he do? He provided it for them. But with that, God also gave us guidelines. So let's look at the guidelines that, that God gave us in Genesis 2, 15 through 17. It says this, now the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man 
you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, now those instructions from God were straightforward enough, right? He said, okay, you can eat from these trees over here, but this tree over here, the, the tree of knowledge of, of good and evil, don't eat of that one because if you do, you will surely, you will surely die. Yeah. That's what happens. You know, if I thought about that, I'm thinking, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That don't sound like a tree I want to eat from. You know, an evil tree, maybe an apple tree, maybe a plum tree, maybe a a pear tree, but I'm passing on the evil trees, and I don't care how much hot sauce you put on it. I don't want any. So what happens after God gives these guidelines? The devil, he comes alone, okay? And he began to tell Eve that, that Eve, it's okay if you eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's okay. You won't die. Surely you won't die. And God's on the other side, don't eat. Don't eat of it. But what did Eve do? What did Eve do? Let's look at Genesis 3 and 6 and look at what Eve done. It says this, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And here's the part that I I really like. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Now that's another sermon for another day, man. (laughs) Now, now, Now Eve, she not only eats of it, but she also takes some and, and she gives to her husband, her spouse, and, and he eats of it too. You know, when I read that, I, I thought about a few weeks ago, our community group, we went out to this uh, dinner theater and it, they had a great show there and they had really, really great food. And after I finished my meal, I was kind of sitting back, you know, and, and uh, I was full too. And uh, the waiter comes out and he comes out with this tray. I mean, tray this big, right? And it's full of of desserts. I mean, full of huge desserts. My favorite dessert was on the chocolate cake. And the chocolate cake, it seemed like it was that big. And so immediately, my good conscience said, don't eat it, Shelby. You're full. This is my good conscience voice. You're full. Think about the weight you'll gain. Think about your high cholesterol level. It'll go up. Your, your blood pressure, Shelby, it'll go up. Think about that. Don't eat it. And then my bad conscience kicked in and said, eat it all, eat it now, eat it now, eat it right now. <laughs> Just go run 50 miles on, on the treadmill. You, you'll be okay. Yeah, your blood pressure will go up some. Your, your, your cholesterol level will, will go up some. But, but she'll be. She'll be surely. Surely you won't die. <laughs> so you know what I did, don't you? You know what I did? I did what Eve did. I shared some with my wife. I said, here, girl, take some of this. I can't eat all this by myself. 
we come together, we're going to go together. Surely we won't die. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. With that one meal, Adam and Eve went from having this, this close relationship, this intimate relationship with God, to running and hiding from God. They, they literally ate themselves out of house and home. They ate themselves out of the very blessings of God. They ate themselves out of, out of God's will for their life. They ate themselves out of God's provisions for their life. They ate themselves out of the very, very presence, of the very presence of God. But their stomachs was full. But look at what they lost. And you and I, the human race, we still suffer the consequences of their appetites today. Here's the thing, guys. You know, God want to pour out certain blessings in our lives, but they will never, never be realized if we don't dethrone king stomach especially when it comes to fasting. You see, our hunger and thirst for God's power in our lives need to be greater than our desire for food. Our hunger and our, and our thirst for God and, and, and the spiritual things of God need to be greater than our desire for food. And that brings me to my final point. My final point is this. God, there's power in fasting. That's power in fasting. You know, there's a story in the book of Matthew about this father who has this son who was really, really sick for a very long time. This son was also, the Bible says, he, he was demon-possessed. Now, I'm sure that, that this father, having a sick child, I'm sure he prayed for that child. I'm sure of that. The Bible said that he even took his child to, to the disciples of Jesus, and, and, and the, the disciples, they couldn't heal him. The disciples couldn't heal him. So I'm sure this frustrated the father. He didn't know what to do. Until one day, one day he finds Jesus. And he begins to explain to Jesus that, that his son had, has this illness and he'd been sick for a long time. And, and, and that this demon had a stronghold in his son's life and had been tormenting this child for a very long time. He even explains to Jesus that, hey, Jesus, I've taken my son to your disciples, and yet, Jesus, they couldn't heal him. And Jesus said this. Bring it to me. Bring it to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil. And that boy was healed from that day on. But what happened, guys? What, what made this situation so different? I mean, I'm sure that, that this parent of this sixth child was praying for his son. I'm sure of that. Why is it that the disciples, why is it that they could not heal this boy? Because Jesus had already given them the power to cast out demons and to heal. Why 
could not, why, why couldn't they do it? What made this situation so different? You know, even the disciples wanted to know why they couldn't heal this man's son. So let's look at the conversation between the disciples and Jesus. It's in Matthew 17, 19 through 21. And it says this, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, however, I want you to remember these next two words. However, this kind. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. You see, Jesus was saying to to the disciples, he said, yes, if you have faith and, and if you believe, nothing will be impossible to you but this kind. This kind of sickness that this child has, my power will not be released until you fast. This kind. You see, guys, Jesus knows that there's going to be situations in our lives that is going to require the power of fasting. Remember what he said? He said, this kind. This kind does not go out except by fasting and prayer. And maybe you have a this kind of situation in your life. And you've been praying. You've been believing. You've been standing on the promises of God. You've been coming to church and you've been doing all the things that that you know to do. You got other people, they're, they're praying for you. And yet nothing has happened. This kind. Maybe you have a this kind of situation in your marriage. You're talking about divorce. You're talking about separation. And you've been praying. And you've been believing God. You had other people pray for you. Yet nothing has happened. Maybe you have this kind of situation with your child. And just maybe your child has this stronghold in his life or, or her life, and you've been praying and you've been standing on God's word, and yet nothing has happened. Maybe you got a, this kind of situation with a sickness, and you've been praying and you've been believing God, you've been standing on his promises, and yet nothing has happened. Maybe you got uh, this kind of situation in your finances or in a relationship. You want to pursue a relationship and you've been believing God that God's going to send you the right person. And you've been praying and yet nothing has happened. Guys, we just got to remember what Jesus said. 
this kind, this kind comes by fasting and prayer. Guys, there are going to be situations in our lives that are going to require the, the power of fasting. So just maybe, just maybe, fasting is the missing ingredient in your relationship with Christ. Just maybe. You know, Brian said earlier, starting January the 9th through the 22nd, we're going to be fasting here at People's Church. And this is what I would invite you guys to do. Bring your situation and fast with us. Bring your situation. Bring your situation, whatever it is. Bring it here and let's fast. And let's see the power of God. Let's see the power of God work in our life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, God. We love you and we do praise you. And we're so thankful.